Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Well, there's two eggs up on the whiskey toast, home fries on the side. Wash it down with the roadhouse coffee, burns up your inside. You're just a canyon caller at a diner, and a waitress I did love. I sat in the back beneath an old stuffed bear, and a worn out Navajo rug. No, Jack, the boss, he left at six, then it's Katie, bar the door. She pulled down that Navajo rug and she spread it across the floor. Hey, I saw lightning cross the sacred mountain, saw the woven turtle doves. But I was lying next to Katie on that old Navajo rug. I, I, I. About a year ago, he said the place burned to the ground. And all I'd say was this old bear tooth, Katie, she's left town. Oh, but Katie, she got her souvenir too, Jack's bad a tobacco plug. Well, you should have seen her coming through the smoke, a-dragging that Navajo rug. Aye, 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 Time across the sacred mountains and lightning breaks above. It always takes me back in time to my long lost Katie Love. But everything keeps on a moving, everybody's on the go. Hey, you don't find things that last anymore like I know of a never Classic by Mr. Ian Tyson called Navajo Rug, and welcome to the Campfire Cafe from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. It is hot, 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 and going to get hotter. How about where you are? It is steamy. It is steamy around here. It's like 89 degrees and rain and steamy. Uh, so we've got one more day and then we have four or five days of beautiful sunshine coming back. But uh, that's the weather in Tennessee. And I guess that's the weather in Albuquerque in July. Yep. I guess so. It's I enchanting so. no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful blue skies. Well, we have a fun, fun, fun show today and uh tell us who our very special guests are for the campfire cafe we are so delighted because we have two guests standing by two of our very very fa- 
favorites. We have Ranger Doug and Too Slim from Riders in the Sky with uh, with new music. We're just can you tell how excited I am? I can tell you're a little bit excited, just a little bit. But anyway, we're going to have a great time visiting with Ranger Doug and Too Slim in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. And then on Saddle Up America, immediately following, we're going to be talking with Matt and Stacy Zimmerman out in Idaho. And they have just completed a Mustang Mania tip challenge. So we're going to be talking with them about that event and uh, find out a little bit more about a tip challenge and how that works. But right now, we're going to listen to a great song from the album Throw a Saddle on a Star. This is one written by Ranger Doug. It's called The Happy Yodeler. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Too Slim and Ranger Doug today on the Campfire Cafe. It came rolling down the mountain from above. A little bit of lonesome, a little bit of love. It fits the western tune like hand in glove. A happy little sound they call the yodel. Ole yodel 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 Mighty fine and a great big western howdy, all you buckaroos and buckarets. 
you know Riders in the Sky are in the house, and you are in for a toe-tapping, rollicking, and light-hearted good time. Known for their award-winning harmonies, wacky Western wit, high yodeling adventures, and a wardrobe every Western fashionista wishes was in his or her closet, Riders in the Sky have been entertaining worldwide audiences since 1977. This four-piece band includes Joey, the Cowpoke King, Woody Paul, King of the Cowboy Fiddlers, too slim, as talented playing his face as he is with his upright bunkhouse bass, and Ranger Dog, known as the governor of the great state of rhythm. Today, we are delighted to have Too Slim and Ranger Doug with us. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, the sharpest wit in the West, Too Slim, and his saddle pal, the idol of American youth, Ranger Doug. Welcome! Hi, <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Hey Bobby, what a tri- what a treat to be here! I mean, great to hear that song on the on the radio too. You know, I couldn't help but think that the the ear was drawn to the bass on that song. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was just really really riveting to me. But uh, anyways, it's all good, right now, no doubt about it. Well, no, well, good good to have you guys with us. And every time Bobby introduces you guys. Ranger Doug, I remember that you said at one time that Eddie Stubbs was going to do your eulogy, but the second person in line would be Bobby Bell. So okay. that happened too soon, okay? Not too soon. Uh, the pressure. Uh, the, pressure. Uh, the pressure is on. The pressure is on. Hey, I saw you guys that uh, Bobby Marquez does a benefit for uh, St. Jude's, and you guys were unbelievably talented. And uh, I don't think anybody else could hold a could hold a candle to you or a star after your performance. You guys are absolutely great. Well, that's fine. Thank We've you. done that that event for I don't know years and years, haven't we, Ranger Doug? Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's always great to see Jennifer Heron there and everybody coming out for great cause. Saw Rex Allen Jr. was there, and uh, John McEwen. Of course, Gary was there, and there was just a whole cast of thousands. There Mary was Kay. a whole cast of thousands. Mary Kay was there, yep. and and uh, uh, let's see, uh, Rick, what's his name? Snyder. What's what's Mr. Snyder's name? It was a great show. Mike John Snyder. Barry was there. Mike Snyder. John Barry was there. Yeah, it was a it was a really great show. But you guys, I Why think, I? took the cake. I mean, you guys were absolutely awesome. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So we want to talk a little bit about the album. It's been a while since you guys have done an album. I think somebody told me five years in between the last mm-hmm. one. What were you waiting on? <laughs> Go ahead. And when can we get another one? And when can we get another well, one? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we've done 40-some albums, and, and uh, everything is already available on uh uh, you know, the music uh, channels, the way people buy music, a lot of people buy music these days. And I guess we sort of felt that we didn't, you know, there was enough out there and we didn't need to add any more. But doggone it, we kept writing songs and, and thinking about uh, some of the great old songs that uh, we hadn't ever uh, gotten to. And so we all changed our minds and said, okay, let's do another. <laughs> yeah, well, we I'm got so together. glad that you changed your mind. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, we got together about uh, about Christmas time, just the, the weeks leading up to Christmas, in East Nashville at Brent Truitt's studio, where uh, 
where we've made a lot of records, including the Grammy-winning records, and uh, and just settled in there for three or four days. And man, it was just so fun to be back in the studio yeah. playing again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that sort of shines through on the record. It was just the four of us, and Andy Reese, the the great killer guitar player, was a big part of the sound and and a part of the the vibe, man. And uh, it was just it was just so much fun. And uh, it was like, I was like, I can't wait to get this record out because people are really going to like it. I mean, I like it. That's a good recommendation right there. That is an excellent yeah. recommendation right there. So we're going to get to the title cut, Throw a Saddle on a Star. So tell us a little bit of history of this song for the folks that are listening around the world today. Well, there was a great group called Andy Parker and the Plainsmen. And uh, Andy Parker and his bass player, Hank Caldwell, got together and wrote this song back in the 40s. And uh, they recorded it. And uh, I think O.Z. Waters recorded it. And uh, they they performed it on the Hollywood Barn Dance in, in, in one movie or another. I can't remember which. And it's just, we always thought it was such a beautiful song. Uh, our old friend Doc Denning of the Rainsman kind of reintroduced us to it a number of years ago while he was still with us. And we just thought it was, it was a terrific tune. Why not record it? Well, it's a great song. And, again, it's the title cut from Throw a Saddle on a Star. We're going to come back and talk more with Ranger Doug and Too Slim in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. Throw a saddle on a star. Tie your dreams to a rainbow. Watch the rain and the clouds go. When the stars break through Throw a saddle on a star There'll be sunshine tomorrow All the troubles you borrow Will disappear from you And if the dream that you've been dreaming Should ever fade don't let that stop you from dreaming There'll be starlight when daylight is gone Throw a saddle on a star All the clouds have gone over There'll be sunshine and clover Along the train for you Oh, 
Riders in the Sky, title track from their brand new album, Throw a Saddle on a Star, and you will want this album, and you can get it very easily right off their website, (laughs) ridersinthesky.com. We are back, and um, you know, gentlemen, I had the pleasure last November of meeting Phoebe White. Um, personally got to hear her perform several times at the IWMA uh, National uh, Conference. And I know um, recently, Ranger Doug, you were on All Things Considered back in June, and you had a chance to chat a little bit about her. What, how did you all meet? And um, tell us a little bit about, about Phoebe White. Well, uh, she is a, a lovely young teenager from uh, Kentucky, and uh, who developed an interest in yodeling as very as a very young girl, and got uh, got all wrapped up in it. And I don't know, remember exactly how we met. Slim might, but I know she uh, she contacted Woody Paul somehow. Uh-huh. And Woody she used to she used to, to come to our to shows. It. Yeah, she used uh-huh. to come to our shows when we played up around. Uh, <laughs> Lexington and, and up in Kentucky, and she was about eight years old, and she'd be all dressed up in spangly, uh, kind of uh, spangly Western outfits, and she would get up, and her mother would say that my daughter sings, you know, can we, and so we rehearsed with her back in the, played with her back in the dressing room and said, people will love this, you need to get, you need to. <laughs> so, so we brought her on stage to uh, to sing with us, and sure enough, people just, uh just love her. She's just, and as well they should, she's a wonderful entertainer, and she's got great, great energy, and she's a very sweet young woman. And uh, yeah. then, then, so okay. she showed up, I don't know, four or five times, and we did our wood songs with her, uh, Michael mm. Jonathan's radio show, and uh, right. she came right. down to Nashville and played with us at a couple of venues here, and and uh, so that's that's the association. And then we, then well, we wanted, Michael wanted to yeah. do a record, and so, so, uh, we we played on three or four cuts on the album with her. Yeah, that's so fun that you're so supportive of of emerging talent. You know that you're just so that somebody could just say this is my daughter, you know, and she sings, and you all just were so graciously, you know, embraced her. It's just a wonderful thing. You have such an impact, I think, on um, young people and on emerging talent, and I I just think oh, that's a wonderful know. thing. As you know, Bobby, that's our future. Uh, Western music uh, won't survive without young people getting that's excited right. and interested in it. That's that is right. exactly that's right. right. That is exactly yeah. right. And she's still right. wearing her spangles and dressing up. And yes, she, she actually does. performed yeah. for us. She performed for us at uh, Mustang Heritage's Extreme Mustang Makeover a couple of weeks ago here in Nashville uh, uh, at the Williamson Ag uh, Center in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. So. Super, super girl, and does not know she's as good as she is. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I when I got the album, I said I I said to myself, "This is the beginning of something." I don't know mm-hmm. what I don't know where she's going to wind up or or what <laughs> career path she'll ever take. But she has so much energy and so much spirit, and and she's writing a lot of songs. And the last time I saw her, she said, "Yeah, I'm writing a lot of songs." And uh, there's just no telling. The sky's the limit for that child. That's true. That's that's how Casey Musgrave got her start, too. You know, she got interested in yoga when she was a kid, and now she's a semi superstar. Uh That's Uh right. That is exactly right. But we have superstars on the air with us today. 
<laughs> and so we are <laughs> we're going to get to another song, two superstars. We're going to get to a song now called "Waiting for the Echo," and this was uh, this was written by uh, Too Slim. So, Too Slim, tell us about this song. Uh, this is emotional for me. I uh, I wrote this for my wife Roberta, who passed away about uh, five and a half years ago. But oh, anyway, I'm we so were out sorry. in Durango. We were in Durango and playing at the Bar D Chuck Wagon, and uh, this was about ten years ago. And Gary Cook and Cy Scarborough took Ranger Doug and me up into the mountains on some ATVs. And so we were way up above, oh, what's it called, Silverthorn, Silver? Yeah, Silverthorn. We were up 12,000, 13,000 feet past the sheep herders, and, and there was this gorgeous meadow that was just all columbine. This was in August, I think. And and Gary said, just yell out. And so we yelled out, and there was like a six-second echo delay <laughs> there was <this> incredible <laughs> incredible echo and you're standing in this the perfect rocky mountain air and stuff and i was just thinking i want to bring um, bert here this would be a great place so um she loved colorado so anyway i wrote the song forgot about it for all these years and uh when we were putting songs together for the album joey said what about this echo song and i said well i never finished it i never did. he said let me send it to you so he sent it to me and I said, oh, my God, I finished this song. I had no no memory of finishing it. So uh, I said, wow. this song's ready to go. So we cut it. And uh, mm-hmm. Andy Reese, it's just me and Andy, and, and Andy just made it come alive. It's, it's very special to me. Well, a very special song. It's Waiting for the Echo. And we'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. I, above the timber line, I stand in blue columbine I sing my song to the canyon below and wait for the echo Your lay Your lay Echo 
the echo for the echo and I will never listen to that song the same way again Blue Slim that's beautiful yeah absolutely beautiful yeah yeah beautiful thanks beautiful song you're very welcome and thanks for sharing that story with us well we're going to kind yeah. of shift gears a little bit we're going to kind of oh. shift gears a little bit so uh, a month or so ago we had a bunch of uh, musicians over to the house and sitting around the dining room table, we had finished a meal and uh, and started talking, and they started telling road stories. And their stories, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this now. So I thought, you know, we've got to do road stories every show if we can. So either one of you, give us a road story about the time. You guys have been together how many years now, 45 Yep. Yep. Forty-five years. Forty-five. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so Doug Green, there got to be a pretty good road story out there somewhere. <laughs> Give us one. Well, Slim has a Slim has a better memory than I do. <laughs> All right. That? Either one of you. Yeah, too Slim. Uh, well, I was I've been left behind um, <laughs> half a dozen times, and I've uh, I've come out of truck stops. I came out of a truck stop in Mississippi once, about 3 a.m. It was right after Joey had joined the band in the late 80s, and um, came out deep Mississippi. And I, it's about 3 a.m., there's no cell phones, I don't have a wallet or anything, and there goes the bus up the road, <laughs> turning onto the interstate. So I'm oh, running, screaming down the road. I, I got my cutoffs and a T-shirt and flip-flops. I'm running down the road. <laughs> Stop! Stop! So I turn, and it's, this goes on. They, Joey did not notice know that I had gotten out of the bus, and I had a curtain over my bunk. So he just drove on. So I walked back into the truck stop, and there were the two guys sitting there at the table by the window, and they said, are you the guy that was just chasing that RV? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah. He said, he said, do you know which way they're going? I said, yeah, we get, we're going to, I don't know where it was, somewhere in Kansas or something. And um, he said, well, I'm, I'm headed up that way. I'll give you a ride. So I, I got in this <laughs> semi that was pulling um, like 80,000 gallons of something. I don't know what, what it was. And sat up with this guy all night. Sitting up oh, there, gosh. at least getting closer to the gig. So I figured I could hitchhike or something. So I, we get up to where the interstate, it's like 250 miles later, we get to the, oh, wow. the corner of these two great interstates, and there's a truck stop. And he said, well, I'm heading off to the east here, and you're heading west, so this is where I'm going to drop you off. So I said, great. <laughs> we, we pull up to this truck stop, and there's the RV. Oh, oh wow. Well. At the truck stop. Oh, well. And, oh, and well. Joey is standing there. <laughs> Joey is standing. He looks up. Oh, my God, there you are. We just didn't know where you were. So he, had, so he yeah, discovered, he yeah, he discovered back. you weren't there. 
Oh god. Yeah, he went. He went into the back seat to. It was going to be my turn, my shift to drive. So he went back oh. and opened up my curtain, and I wasn't there. And he's like, "Oh, oh my gosh. god, I left Slim." And and he said, "Ranger Doug, <laughs> Ranger Doug, Slim is Slim is not here. I left him behind." Ranger Doug said the memorable quote, "I guess this means it's my shift." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so gosh. Anyway, that's hilarious. We had a joyous reunion. But, but I was oh, left, that's hilarious. I mean, Woody left me, Ranger Doug left me, everybody left me, and I I, I began to think maybe it's not them. <laughs> <laughs> it has something to do with me. Uh, oh, gosh, so, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. So I started making a little more noise when I actually got out of the bus and, and made idea. eye contact. Okay, do you see good I'm idea. here? Okay. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. That's great. Well, yeah. well, we, I'm going to get to another song. That's great, by the way. That's great. Uh, I'm going to get to. I asked. I asked Ranger Doug one time how you guys had stayed together for so long, and I recall he said we never stay in the same hotel room, and I have shared that <laughs> hotel rooms many times. No roommates. That's right. <laughs> no, no roommates. No roommates. <laughs> well, this is Old Calpo. This is a song that our good friend Gary McMahon. Uh, wrote and uh, anything that anybody would like to tell us about old cowpoke before we play that. It has a famous well, character that's singing it. That's old side meat, yeah. Well, I knew <laughs> I met Gary when he was in Nashville in 1973 or four. Oh, okay. He was trying to make a living as a songwriter and an artist, and I was too. And uh, so we connected and. And uh, we've started, he said, maybe we should start a band. And we talked about having a band. And he was singing, uh, oh, God, Tom Rush songs and starting to write uh, all the great songs that he's written. And um, so that's when I knew him from. And then we, we cut this song, Too Slim cut it on our, I think, our second album from Rounder. And then Side Meat always, oh, I, oh, let me everybody in here, boy. Uh, uh, this song. This song is a wonderful uh, piece of uh, music, and by that I mean it has notes and words together, and it flows. <laughs> that right? Under the so uh, tell oh, the story. Jerry is a is a renowned uh, old coot. He was an old coot when he was born, I think. And uh, I think you're he, right. He really understands. Right. He really understands the coot, uh, the old coot uh, uh, frame of mind, and uh, as well as I do. So uh, oh, I was gosh. proud to do this song and proud they included on the album. Well, it, 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 <laughs> well, it is another good one. And uh, we'll be back in just a moment to talk more with <laughs> Two Slim and Ranger Doug today on the Campfire Cafe. One, two, one. I'm an old cop folk, and don't you know so. I swing the rope beneath antelope. No Sunday thunder's got me buffalo. Devastation rides upon my breath And I scare the ladies plump to death When I rears back in that saddle And I let the old go Yodelay, 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 yodelay Yodelay, yodelay, yodelay Well, spin my spurs and kick my rope I soaked up too much campfire smoke And this old cow folks heading for town This ain't no social call, it's a raid. I'm an old lone wolf with a barbed wire tail. And it's my night to howl. The 
I mean, they are thorough. They talk to my cousins. They talk to my children and all, all of us, you know. I mean, they, are, they didn't let any sleeping dogs lie there. They are out there getting the uh, the deep info. And uh, and I just think it's, it's marvelous because uh, they have such a fantastic reputation that gives us a, a real sense of uh, uh, not respectability but uh, i don't know the word i'm searching for but a sense of uh, meaning in the in the greater history of western music well that makes so much sense because your book singing in the saddle um did that for uh early western and and the roots of western and is such a fabulous piece of history and I think that your that, that writers in the sky are going to have a legacy that's going to go on and on and on, and there will be generations who will not know you yet, and it will be the kind of piece of history that we really need to have within the the canon of Western music um, history. So I'm really excited to see that. <laughs> we are too. Very excited. Yeah. And I see that you also just recently wrapped classic Cowboy Corral. Um, this was a this was something you wrote about back in March, too slim. But the show count was now 462. You want to tell our audience a little bit about that? I know that you're going to step away in a couple minutes. How can they find yeah. that show? You can find that show on Sirius XM uh, radio line. It's on Willie's Roadhouse, which is now channel 61 or something. Isn't that right? Yep. Uh-huh. 61. Yeah. It, the show the show airs it's called Ranger Doug's Classic Cowboy Corral. It airs on Friday night uh, after the Grand Ole Opry, on Saturday night before the Grand Ole Opry, and Sunday morning about I don't know eight o'clock Eastern Time or Central Time or something. Oh, and it's okay. uh, Ranger Doug it curates the show. He is he assembles uh, songs from the great golden era of the of the singing cowboy with uh, Sons of the Pioneers and Rex. Uh, Alan and and um, oh God Tex Ritter and Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and all the great groups and he endlessly we've done 500 shows he endlessly finds stuff you've never heard of I guarantee <laughs> and it's, and it's <laughs> uniformly, yeah. Yeah. uniformly interesting and mostly great yeah he's got oh, stuff gosh. he goes back to the to the Edison uh, cylinders. And oh. stuff. And wow. as well as up as well as up to uh, uh current writers in the sky so and, oh, and all these great stuff like carson robinson stuff and and uh, oh man it's just a, we have a lot of fun and we go up uh, and do it in joey's studio joey's is the engineer and side meet our old sidekick comes along to interrupt and miss the point and try and keep things <laughs> moving so yeah a lot of fun so check oh, it out gosh. oh great well, thank you well, I tell you, uh, it's it's so much fun to talk with Too Slim, and and I know you've got to run because you have some other appointments that you've got to keep. Yeah, but it's come back thunder. and be with us again, would you? I uh, just just keep the door open. I will definitely be there. Thanks, Bobby. Always Thanks, open. Thank Always you. Open. See you tomorrow right. morning. See you tomorrow morning at the airport, Ranger Doug. Yes, you will. <laughs> Don't forget. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a listen to the Colorado Trail. We'll be back in just a moment to talk more with Ranger Doug today on the Campfire Cafe. Eyes like a morning star. 
July the 26th, the Bluebird Cafe, you can see and hear Ranger Doug. And um, it will be a writer's round. And we might hear this song, one called Golden Lockets. Tell us a little bit about we will. Golden Lockets. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> during the, during the uh, pandemic, uh, we had no work at all and a lot of time to write songs. So I got to thinking about a song that I really always loved. My son and I used to sing this together called uh, When the Roses Bloom Again. And I thought uh, uh, it was about, it's the same sort of story, but it uh, it was about a, a soldier and his sweetheart, and they had to part, and uh, he never came back. And so I thought, boy, if you put that in a Western setting, that would make a beautiful story. And so I uh, came up with a melody. Actually, it's very similar to a melody. <laughs> I wrote another song, too, but it's not identical. And wrote a new set of words and set that story in the West rather than some unspecified war or another. And that's the story of right. Golden Lockets. Well, that's Golden Lockets, and you can hear Ranger Doug perform this at the Bluebird Cafe at 9 o'clock, August the 2nd. And get your tickets starting July the 26th at the Bluebird Cafe. But we're going to take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Ranger Doug today on the Campfire Cafe. Keep the spreading magnolia in the Tennessee hills. Two young lovers talking. As young lovers will They exchanged golden lockets For his orders had come To ride to the west With the cavalry's best And the beating of drums Oh my roamer and dreamer Is this what you must do Make war on the natives Who's done no harm to you My duty is clear, love He replied with a sigh But your locket of gold I will treasure and hold And they kissed one last time Dead, 
and the dying who cry Yes, Captain, I'm dying You've whispered in pain Standing over his locket On that wild, bloody plain Take this back to my one love Back in old Tennessee Where she waits for me there With a flower in her hair Neath a magnolia Golden Lockets, Ranger Doug, featured here in this song, written also, I believe, by him, and it's from their new album, Riders in the Sky, new album, Throw a Saddle on a Star. Ranger Doug, it's interesting to me, as I'm looking at your website, at the moment, the album is only available in CD format, and thank you so much for still producing CDs. I know there's lots of conversation (laughs) about that. Um, And I can see on your Facebook page there are some folks asking about will it be available as a download and such. I'm curious, what made made you all decide to go ahead and release this as a CD first or – at this time, well, uh, we're we're wedded to a dying technology, and <laughs> we just thought that our our fan base would still uh, enjoy the CDs. Uh, Slim is working. I'm sorry he's gone now, but uh, Slim is working on uh, working on getting a digital digital mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. presence on the album. We talked also about making a vinyl version, and we may yet uh-huh. do that. I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Vinyl seems to be yeah having a um, a reemergence. I haven't seen anything about eight tracks coming back, but <laughs> yeah, well, never, we've never, 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 never. We'll we'll be bringing the cylinders out here pretty soon. Seventy eight. Oh gosh. Well, well I, I was telling I'm Bobby the other day that yeah. that uh, that now the albums are actually outselling the CDs, you know, which was kind of mm-hmm. a surprise. But uh, I but I, I yeah. But I mentioned the other day I don't have a CD player in my house. I don't have a radio in the in the house. I have uh, I have Alexa in my house, which uh-huh. we use. But I do have a phonograph, and so we play we play some vinyl in here. But uh, thankfully, I, I still I have, have a CD player in my well. car. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very interesting mm-hmm. the way technology is changing and the way that people are putting out uh, their music. But I think probably still, and you probably will attest to this, when you go to and do a concert, the people are buying the CDs. You know? They are. They still are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of the way it goes on there. So, well, it has been so much fun having you on the show today. And we're looking it's forward to great. August the 2nd. It is always great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, we look forward to getting together on August the 2nd at the Bluebird Cafe, and that is going to be a fun, fun night, and um, we're really looking forward to seeing friends that will show up for that. Again, you can get tickets right now at the Bluebird Cafe website, and uh, they go on sale July, July the 26th. But uh website is ridersinthesky.com. 
Yes, it is, and that's uh, where you can find all of the merchandise, the tour schedule, the history of the group, photographs, what's coming up, what's happened. You know, it's all there at ridersinthesky.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to close out this segment of the show with another great old song called The Wayward Wind. And, again, that's on the oh, album, yeah. Throw a Saddle on a Star. And uh, and you're so much fun. You know, we're going to have to come have you come over and, and tell some road stories with a group <laughs> tonight. That would be fun. Okay. It's a deal. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Rachel Doug. We appreciate it. And we'll be back in just Thank a moment. Thank you, Gary, Bobby Jean. On Good Thank to hear you. you. Good to be with you. All right. Yep. This is The Wayward Wind. It's from Throw a Saddle on a Star by Riders in the Sky. Oh, the wayward wind is a restless wind. A restless wind that yearns to wander. And I was born the next of kin, the next of kin to the wayward wind. In a lonely shack by a railroad track, I spent my younger days, and I guess the sound of the upward bound. Made me a slave to my wandering way, and the wayward wind Ooh. is a restless wind, Ooh. a restless wind Ooh. that yearns to wander, and I was.
It's time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to be talking Mustangs today on Saddle Up America. Take a picture on the wall from a magazine. Got a renegade heart beating in its chest. Gonna beg till I borrow his way out west. And a sea of stage on and on. Gonna learn the way of a native son. Gonna turn the
Welcome back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. And I might as well do a plug right here. That was my wife, Mary Kay Holt, with her great song, A Horse Called Freedom. And she is now on tour. I said goodbye this morning and gave her a big old kiss. But she's on tour for about 10 days with her new group called Gone with the West. And they will be performing in Oklahoma tomorrow night. So you can find their tour schedule by visiting gonewiththewestmusic.com. But right now, we're going to welcome to the show Matt and Stacy Zimmerman up in Idaho. Hey, guys. Hello, Gary. How are you? I hey, Gary. Wet. How are you doing? I'm fine, Matt. We're, we're kind of wet down here. How's your weather in Idaho? Well, it's a 100 and something degrees today, and then this weekend, it's supposed to be 107, so plenty oh, warm. Wow. <clears throat> wow, wow, wow. Well, I'll take the wet because it's like 89 or something down here today. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, we, it's, it's we don't a here in the summer. Well, oh, well, well, Bobby, what's the temperature out in Albuquerque today? Uh, I don't think I asked see. you that. Well, we were 90 an hour ago. We're heading for a hundred and, um, and we'll take wet anytime we can get it out here in the, in the dry Southwest. But uh, it's 94, so it's gone up four hours, four degrees in the last hour. We should hit 100 around uh, three o'clock our time today, and um, more more of that expected uh, down the road. Yes. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, while we're doing weather for the folks that are listening around Middle Tennessee and the Nashville area, there has just come in an emergency alert. So from the wow. National Weather Service, we have a severe thunderstorm warning in effect until 1.15 for destructive 80-mile-an-hour winds. And uh, it says to take shelter in a sturdy building away from windows. Blind debris may be dangerous to people caught without that. So I guess I'm going to go crawl in the closet right now. No, I guess I'll <laughs> stay here until we finish the show. But anyway, well, we're glad to have you guys with us. And so we're going to be talking Mustangs and um, uh, Mustang mania that just took place out in Idaho. But before we start talking about that, Matt and Stacy, and, and we can start with Stacy because ladies first, uh, how'd you guys get involved with Mustangs? Oh, goodness. Well, I blame Matt for that one. Um, when I met him, um, I was showing horses here in Idaho, and he came into the show world, which is how we met, and he was actually involved in the Mustang several years before I was, and he literally took a showgirl that had done nothing but look pretty and everything in my little world was perfect <laughs> to uh, everything was wild, crazy, and um, not always predictable. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Well, I was going to ask how you, how the two of you met. So it was at a horse show. It was, yeah. So, Matt, yeah, how long did in. it take you to? Yeah, I started to ask Matt how long it took him to to invite her out on a date or something. Well, we've been friends for so quite a long time. Cause when it, I guess I was raised on a ranch, so when I went to the show world, it was a completely different world. So I kind of sat back and wondered if that was where I really needed to be, and so. Um, Stacy was always just, you know, pretty, she's easy to talk to and she always had helpful tips and wanted, you know, 
I stuck out like a sore thumb in the show world. So the lady that owned the horse, she went up to her and, and she says, would Matt mind if, you know, I gave him a tip or, you know, to help him out? And, she, and the lady said, no, Matt, he's he's pretty easy going. And so she, we became really good friends and she would give me different tips and ideas to kind of help me out in the show world. And we really became really good friends for a, a few years before, you know, we decided to, to date and whatever. So anyway, it was kind of a blessing. You know, we, we between the two of us, you know, I come from the ranch world, which is kind of the rough and, you know, the kind of the uncut world. And then she comes from the show world, which is the finesse and pretty. So we kind of cover a lot of different bases, um, you know, and I don't know. It's just kind of a neat, neat mix how we got together and what we do. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm assuming that Gary's here, but um, okay. every every now and again, especially if he has a storm head in his way, he could have a little something going on there. So this is Bobby, oh, sure. and I'm uh, delighted to chat with both of you. Um, yeah. Matt, um, since we've got you that we're talking to right now, um, what were some of the major changes? Were there some major changes you you had to – uh, do with your horses as you moved from ranch work into more of the show ring? Were there things you had to do differently, yeah. training differently? I, I, I think so. I, I think the main thing is when you go, go to, to the show world, you have to sit up and you have to kind of crisp yourself up and sit prettier. And the, the old man that was mentoring me at the time, I was riding around in the arena and he he just kind of put his hand up and told me to stop. And he said, you know, you want to show, right? And I says, well, that's the plan. And he says, well, then you need to bring your elbows in. He goes, we're not out on the desert chasing cows anymore. He goes, you got to, we're going to try to make it look pretty. So I had to, it was an adjustment um, to kind of change the way that I rode, kind of sit up and kind of have a little more equitation per se. And so it was a little bit of an adjustment to go into the show world. And, but you know, but when we kind of blended back with Mustangs, I mean, I think it was in uh, 2007, there was an article in the Western Horseman that had um, an extreme Mustang makeover, uh, basically where you had 90 to 100 days to gentle a wild Mustang. And I thought to myself, this is a great way to test yourself as a trainer because everybody has the same, you know, wild Mustang and they pick it up on the same weekend. So they have the same amount of time and then um, we have the same wild animal. Here we come. So, Here we come. And, I think I'm coming okay. back. And then, yep. So basically, <laughs> okay. All right. Know, it, yeah. Hey, we're back. I, the, the, this severe weather that I was talking about was for real. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was for real. real. That's well, what we been, thought. Yeah. Well, we've been having plenty of fun waiting for you to come back, Gary. So. Well, let's. <laughs> I'm glad you're back to the show. We'll welcome Gary back to the show. There you go. Well, thank you very exactly. much. Thank you very much. Wow. So what did you guys talk about while I was gone? They're trying to get reconnected. Uh, well, we, we talked were just a little bit about, of. Yeah. No, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what did well, we, we talk we, about? We were just talking about, um, you know, the. You know, the difference uh, between uh, the ranch work to the show world and then um, basically I started to talk about how I got into Mustangs, you know, and and I, I was basically mentioning that I saw an ad in the Western Horseman that said, you know, the extreme Mustang makeover competition, you know, 90 days um, with the same wild horse. And, and so basically it, I, I said it would test you as a trainer. So because everybody has the same amount of time with the same, right. you know, basically the same animal with – zero skills where you couldn't even touch it. So I said, if I could actually um, do well at one of these makeovers, then it would, then it would, you know, kind of validate that I could actually get the job done. And so 
I think it was 2008 in Sacramento was my first makeover. And I went wow. Overall. And then, so that's where it all got started. And then since then I've um, competed in 24 extreme Mustang makeovers and placed in the top 10 wow. almost every time with, with, with the exception of a couple. And then I've been fortunate enough to win four times and then reserve champion about three. And oh, so wow. it's, so, I mean, it's just been, you know, and then I brought Stacy into my world. And then I think in 2015, we went off the chart crazy and we did six extreme Mustang makeovers. And for each makeover, you need a new horse. So we started <laughs> off in Queen Creek, Arizona, and I Stacy placed second and I placed third. And then we went to, I want to say, uh, Norco, California, and I got fifth. And oh, Norco. Got, mm-hmm. She placed, I forget where she placed, like ninth, seventh or something, and then went to Colorado and then she had a she, her horse didn't work out for Colorado, so I ended up second in Colorado. And then Stacy's son was doing the youth um, competition, and he got second. Anyway, and then so we went to Reno, and I ended up winning Reno. And then we went to wow, where's uh, Nampa, Idaho, and then we went to Fort Worth, Texas. So oh, wow. kind of went crazy. There was a lot of travel, and we had a lot of fun. And the cool part for us is seeing. All the Mustangs that we've trained at the end of the competitions, they auction them off. And so we have horses literally all over the country now. And we've got some, one in Florida, one in Virginia, uh, Oklahoma. Um, then we have Texas and almost every Western state. And then we have one in Nebraska. So, And we shipped one to France here a year ago. And wow. So, oh, wow. Must, wow. Yeah, Mustangs have definitely so I, tend to change I, our world. So I have, a, I have a quick question kind of about that. Um, so in the very beginning, 2008, you know, your first couple of times when you were spending that 100 days and you really get to know that horse, um, h- how difficult is it at auction time to to say goodbye to that horse? You know, I think when I was a little kid, I had like 10 horses. And my dad told me one day, he goes, son, you need to get rid of some of them. And so in the next month, I sold five. And then he told me, he goes, mm-hmm. Jeff, you better keep something you know, so it was, I mean, I'd been doing it for a little while, but it is difficult yeah, because yeah. You, you do get a bond with them. And mm-hmm. and then so you, you, you see them go. And like my, that first Mustang went to a, a gentleman in Norco, um, California by the name of Ray Aris, and he does dressage. And so mm-hmm. well, that was in like 2008, I guess. Right. So then in 2015, we went back to Norco. So it's seven years later. And I said, you know what, my, my old um, first Mustang is, I think, might live in Norco still. And so one mm-hmm. of the ladies that was involved in Mustang Heritage Foundation says, you know what, I know Ray. I'm going to contact him and see if he still has that mare. And so uh. she went and contacted Ray, and Ray said to her, she said, uh, he said, you know, that Mustang was so broke that she taught all of my kids how to ride. Oh. Wow. And wow. So, and he still had her, and he sent me a picture of this little 12-year-old girl at a at a dressage show riding this this mare. So Aww. those are the cool those are the cool parts. It's tough to see them go, but when they do mm-hmm. go and you see them flourish with other people, I mean I, mm-hmm. I forget where I seen it. It it was a, a thing that said, um, train a horse that somebody else can ride, and that will make you a good trainer. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interrupt for a minute, and I'm just going to say maybe maybe we shouldn't ask how many of said horses have we bought back or kept either. <laughs> <laughs> I started to that say. That was my next question. 
Yeah, I started to say a lot of trainers just become so attached to their horse that that they end up winning the bid and taking them back home again. So that's okay, We've too. We've been guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, too. As long as these horses have good homes, that's the whole purpose for, for these Absolutely. makeovers and exactly. events as well. So anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a song called Wild Mustang by Wiley and the Wild West. And when we come back, we're going to be talking Mustang Mania today with Matt and Stacy Zimmerman. And I hope I don't get knocked off again because it's really interesting outside. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Mustangs are not quite as wild as they were at one time. So, uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about how you got started producing these Mustang Mania events. Well, we got started doing the Mustang Mania event. Well, basically, it's a tip challenge. Right. And so everything is in hand. So people have to apply a, 
there's an application process, and they just have to have a height requirement of six foot high fences and uh, adequate size fence, um, a pin big enough. And then once they get accepted, then um, they normally what they used to do is just do a random draw, and then you show up to the crowds, and then you, you get whatever animal was selected for you. And so Stacy and I had an idea. I said, you know what? If we do, if we could, um, through the application process, if if we could get, have people select their Mustangs, then the odds of them keeping it will be a lot higher, and the adoption rate should go up. So what we did is we went down to Reno, Nevada, and we looked through. Um, it was Reno and Fallon. We looked through over probably oh, 5,000 head of Mustangs, and we ended up picking probably 200. And then they shipped them up. So the way that we did it was the first application in gets to pick first, second, second, and so on. And so basically that kind of changed the dynamics of the tip challenge because everybody fell in love with the animal because they selected that animal. It wasn't a random draw. And so right. then once they once they get the animal, then they have – um, basically close to 90 days and it's 90 to 120 days to get it as gentle as they can and then they come back and compete in three different classes. The first class is a handling and conditioning class and that is basically um, you lead a horse into a round pen then you turn it loose and then they'll judge the, the body conditioning there and then they from the, judge the the rehaltering process and then you lead it at a walk to you know to a barrel or a cone and then back either um, then brush it off at it have it stand still and brush and then lead it at a trot to the next barrel and then stop and back up your horse and then pick up feet and then load it into a trailer so that's just basically showing the controllability and the quietness of your horse and the more gentle and they are and the less reactive they are the higher the scores um, generally and then so the next class would be a trail class going over obstacles and poles and bridges and through gates and back and through things and then um the last class would be a freestyle which is do whatever you could think wildly possible in two and a half uh, or three minutes and right. so it kind of opens the door to whatever music you choose so that's basically in a nutshell uh, the way the tip challenge kind of um kind of happens okay now this this year didn't you do under saddle as well as in hand Yes, we did. This was our first riding division year. So we ended up having, I want to say, Stacy will be the, have, I was writing numbers, but I think we had um, 17, I want to say, was the number. And so, had, but yeah, so we, go ahead, Stacy. We had 20 actually declare that they were going to ride. And then by the time the event rolled around, we had a couple people that decided that their horse wasn't ready or they weren't ready. And we dropped right. down to 17 in some classes. And then I think down to 14 in two of them. So well, they got there, and they, you know, the horses couldn't handle that pressure. Sometimes, you know, they they just aren't prepared um, for the crowds and that kind of thing. And so, you know, doing what's best for the horse a lot of the time um, sometimes means the, the trainers have to sacrifice, you know, their their ability to go out there and show. But you know, if it's the best interest of the horse, we want to showcase these horses are fabulous, not you know what they can't do. So it was a, it was a good call on the trainers that did that. Yeah, yeah. So how, how long have you done the uh, the Mustang Mania now? Uh, this year was year seven. Wow. Wow. That's what we and think. How, yeah, wow. How has it, <laughs> yeah, how has it grown over the last seven years? You know, Matt and I were talking about that a little bit ago. So year one, we had 38 horses um, picked up for competition. 
Um, you always lose a few of them. Um, I think that year we just did a one-day event. And then as time went on, we went to, you know, every year we just kept going up. This year we went up to 170 animals that were adopted. Wow. So we've wow. grown exponentially. Um, 130 were actually Mustangs. 40 of those critters were those sweet little burrow faces that nobody seems <laughs> to be able to uh, say no to these days. That's, yeah, I started um, to say that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's grown a lot. We actually have to, you know, like I said, year one, we were able to run all three classes one day at our facility. And, you know, we thought that we were kind of killing it. Um, year two, we had a little, you know, we, we weren't too far off. We had 44 that year. And so we were pretty similar in numbers. We did a one day. The next year we had 75 and we're like, we got to go to two days. Um, and as we started to go up, we we're like, we need to come up with some better solutions because these are really long days. So we started to do a split arena, which has worked out really cool for the horses and the trainers, okay. but also for the spectators. So we actually split our arena in half and we do like a mirror of the class. So the judges are able to see the horses loaded and out of the trailer. Our announcer is able to see. So we've had to kind of prethink a lot of things. But um, it's made it actually a lot better for the horses when they come in. You know, when they're the only one in the arena, you, you find horses that are kind of distracted because they think that they are literally the last horse on the planet. Um, but with the way, the way that we run ours, we've got a horse on each side running. Parents, grandparents, spectators, they can watch on one side and the adults on the other. So if they've got family members showing, they don't have to jump from arena to arena. And it's worked out really well. And so we've been doing a split arena now for about four years, I think, possibly five. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah, it's kind of made it fun. And so we're still getting through everybody in two days. But um, if we weren't doing that split arena, we'd, we'd be a three-day or four-day event at this point. Wow. wow. Well, uh, for folks that are listening around the world, uh, I've got to tell you that, uh, that Matt and Stacy run one of the best – Tip challenges in the country, and uh, and I actually I was coming out there this year, and unfortunately I had to have some surgery that kept me from coming. So I'm looking forward to hitting the trail and being out in Idaho next year to visit with you guys. Well, Gary, thank that, you for that compliment because we work really hard on this event every year, and you know every year at some point you find yourself thinking, "Gosh, why do we do this?" And then you go back and you look at the 170 animals that found homes. And, and that's why we do it. You know, I mean, that's, that's why, why we do it. it. We do it. Yeah, we do it for the trainers. We had more rookies this year than we've ever had. We've had um, more people, you know, Mustang Heritage offers um, a division called the Silver Bullet when they do the extreme Mustang makeovers. Uh-huh. And we've tried to mirror a lot of the things that the Mustang Heritage does because they're really good things. And so that's your 50 and over division. And this year, when we started our event, I had over 20 people that were in the 50 and over division. Oh, wow. My oldest, yeah, our our oldest trainer was 65 years old, and that gal ended up placing fourth overall in the in-hand division. So oh, that's great. So it's a pretty cool program when you think about, you know, the amount of people. Of course, you always want your youth numbers to go up. Without the youth, we have no future. We have no Mustang trainers coming up. Um, we need them as much as we can get them. And this year we had, you know, trainers, the limit is eight and over eight to 17. And we had a one, eight year old sign up and she didn't, wasn't able to make it back. They had a family, um, reunion or something that they had to go to this summer. And so she didn't get to come back, but you know, we've had them as young as eight, nine years old before come back. And, you know, it's pretty impressive to see these young kids with these, these Mustangs. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And, and, um, 
where do they come from? For the people that come to participate in your event in Idaho, where are they coming from? What states are represented there? Well, this year we had um, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, um, Idaho, of course, Montana, Arizona. We've had California before. We had a guy drive in from Kansas one year. Wow. Um, yeah, that was kind of impressive. And they picked up, I think, two horses. Matt can correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, but I believe it was two horses. And, you know, you think, you think, why are they coming from so far? You know, because, I mean, there's tip challenges all over. Right. Um, sometimes it's because of the horses that we're offering. You know, we do, we do advertise and publicize them as much as possible because, you know, Matt, Matt can tell you the story this year, but our goal is to get them all adopted every year, whatever the BLM gives us to give out. That's our right. goal. Um, and so, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, if you can build a relationship with your BLM and have them back in your events and that kind of thing, then they're willing to let you come out, get the pictures that you need to really promote the horses. And, you know, truthfully, we're all in the same boat together. We're trying to find a solution to finding these horses homes. And so it's really neat when we have so much backing from our BLM that allows us to do that and actually get the visibility of the horses out there for the public. Well, you do a tremendous job of promoting, and uh, now I know yeah, I know you've got a Facebook page. Uh, do you, what other way do you promote the horses in the event? Any other social media Matt, or any website? Yeah, Matt, I'll let Matt handle that one because he is our social media guru and the one that's most determined to uh, get every last one adopted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, we were at the crowds. I think one of the ways we do it is we allow people to come view the horses in person. So we'll have a viewing date where they can come to Idaho uh, at the Poison facility and see them. And so at, this year when it, that uh, date came, we had like 80-some animals kind of like selected. And I told the BLM official there, I go, wouldn't it be neat if I can just get all of these horses into homes? And then you show up after the weekend of loading animals out and there's literally no horses left. And he goes, he just kind of laughed and said, Oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool, Matt. And then, so I left that day and I told Stacy, I go, you know, this is just literally a marketing deal. So I said, every day I'm going to, I'm going to promote like the yearling gildings. And then the next day, the, the adult, the adult mares. And then the next day, the adult gildings. And then the next day, the youth burrows. And the next day, the adult burrows. And, so I just kept putting it up in everybody's feed, and so they kept seeing animals. And and uh, so next thing you know, 170 of the 180 animals in the corrals are adopted and lo- loaded out. So there wow. was only 10 animals left in the corral. And I took a little drive around the facility, and it was just barren. There was, you know, like empty pen, empty pen, a pen with one horse, empty pen, a pen with two horses. And so it was kind of neat, but, I mean – Earlier we were talking about it, you know, we're doing this to find horses' homes. And, you know, it's kind of crazy how we do this to help a lot of people as well. Because, That's exactly right. You know, and, and in the end, there's a lot of people that will message Stacy and I, and, and they thank us for allowing them to have this opportunity. And some of these people, it, it is life-changing. You know, they were able to achieve some really great things with these Mustangs that were – you know, 118 days ago, you couldn't catch, you couldn't, one of them was rearing up striking and kicking, and one of them, I mean, we get to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and we hear all the 
all the you know the wild things that go on, and then at the end of the competition, we get to see how everybody has kind of finessed and made their horses really compliant citizens, and it's just kind of a neat process. And like this year during the awards, we had oh you know close to 90 animals. All of them were on a you know had a lead rope and a halter on, and they were all civilized, and we had all these horses in the arena at the same time and then 118 days ago these horses were you know flying around the pens couldn't touch them couldn't catch them and they were substantially wilder so it's right you know to see it from beginning to end is really a neat process and throughout the process we tell people if they do get stuck you know give us a call stacy and i will give them you know a a lesson or uh, feel free to come by and we'll help them get over their little um roadblock or hump in the road and whatever and we've done a pile of that you know to help people not only people but the mustang have success as well at the end of the event oh that is great that is great well it's amazing uh the effect that horses have on people and uh whether yeah. it's uh, uh ex-military and they're going through ptsd and the horses they're working with or whether it's children who have disabilities or if it's an old radio guy like me who just feels better when I get out and curry on a horse sure. in the afternoon, you know, it yeah. just has that effect on people. And, uh, and, you know, the American Mustang is a symbol of the West. It's, it is about as American Bobby as you can get, uh, when you think about the wild Mustang, but needing to find homes for these horses that are overpopulated on the ranges and are brought into government holding facilities is what this is all about. And uh, sure. so they find great homes with great people. And uh, as Stacy and Matt said, that is so rewarding to see that happen. So what are the dates for um, uh, for the um, Mustang Mania next year? Well, generally it's a 4th of July weekend. And so well, that's when the event takes place. But the application process generally opens up um, probably December, so it would be December 2023 it opens up, and then we accept applications, and then horses are generally picked up around the 1st of March, and then that's when the the timeline starts. Once you get your horse, you have from, you know, first this year it was 3rd and 4th of March to um, June 30th, July 1st. So that's kind of the 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 timeline on how it would work if someone was interested in doing Mustang Mania this this coming year. All right. I just looked up the dates. I'll interrupt real quick. I just looked up the dates. They'll be moving in on the fourth of July and they will compete on the fifth and sixth of July. What a neat way to spend the fourth of July, Bobby, out in mm-hmm. Idaho mm-hmm. watching the yeah. Mustangs and all the people that have worked with them so diligently for the last hundred days or so. And, uh, and 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 you guys are pretty good hosts out there, I understand as well. well <laughs> so. we, we we try to be. I'll tell you what, though. Um, you know, when you're spending the the fifth and sixth of July, you don't get any more American than having an American American legend out there. Those Mustangs, and they're being celebrated on the fourth of July or right around that time every year. Um, we get to see a lot of you know red, white, and blue. Um, freestyles and a lot of very heartfelt songs backing that with, you know, how proud we are to be American and you've got these legends mm-hmm. out there. It's, it's a pretty neat feeling. We didn't realize it when we got that date. Um, 
the only dates we could get were that date or one in October, and we were talking about traveling and school and things like that for the youth. Right. And I thought, well, I guess we can sacrifice our 4th of July every year or that weekend or that timeline and uh, do it that weekend. And our facility is literally the one of the prestigious facilities in the Northwest. And so to get a date there, we were very lucky. If we ever gave up our date, we'd never get another one. So it'll always be that <laughs> well, weekend. Well, don't give it up. No, don't give it up. <laughs> no, no, no. They the ask me every July. year. <laughs> Oh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, for folks that are listening, if you are on Facebook, go visit Mustang Mania Tip Challenge, and uh, that's the Facebook page, and follow it there. And uh, you guys have got a lot of followers yourself. You've just done a great job over the years of putting this together and, and uh, interacting with people. And uh, so I, I'm going to spend my 4th of July next year out in Idaho, I think. I'll bring my wife with me. We'll be we'll be singing well, I, a little bit. I think what you need to do is give yourself an extra day or two on the the back end of it, and we'll take you out to see some mustangs in the wild because we got plenty out here in Idaho that we can take you to see, and uh, that's an experience that if you haven't done already, you sure can't miss out on that. Well, that would be fantastic, Bobby. You want to go? That sounds like another um, possibility. Absolutely. I've never been to Idaho. Put it on your bucket yeah. list. Put it on your yeah. bucket list. Yeah. Well, Matt and Stacy, you guys have been fantastic. And uh, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. And thanks for putting up with the issues that we've had. You know, and I just got another notice. They've got more storm warnings out, so it's going to be a oh, fun time oh, in wow. Nashville, Tennessee. Oh. So, well, anyway. Gary, we appreciate you having us on the show. We appreciate you letting us spread the word of these wonderful horses. And you know, um, if if a person sat down and really wrote a book about the different people that we've touched and the horses that we've touched and the horses that have touched us and the people that have touched us. Um, we might be able to retire and just live off the royalties of that because it sure has been <laughs> a blessed seven years for sure. Yeah, go ahead, Bobby. I was going to say that sounds like a very engaging story and um, to be able to share how you have touched lives and these horses have touched lives. Um, I, you probably have a bestseller on your hands. Yeah. We very well might. We just have to find the time to write it. Oh gosh! Yeah, or, or somebody to really interview you and capture, you know, get it all, and then um, yeah. and then write it on your behalf. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, listen. Thank you again for taking the time to be with us and uh, visit Mustang Mania Tip Challenge on Facebook, and keep up with these guys. And we plan on doing that as well. So thank you both for being with us today. Thank You're you. Welcome. As well, you have a wonderful day. All right. You too. And uh, and I'm glad you're not getting these storms out there. So that stay safe. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a listen to a song from Trinity Seeley. It's called Cricket Roll. We'll be back in just a moment on Saddle Up America. Thank you, guys. You bet. Thank you.
Despite the storm and and despite getting knocked off the air, it's been a fun show for me. And, and I'm has. glad you were here. I'm glad you were here to continue the conversation <laughs> while I was gone. Jeez. We had we had just a little gap, and then we both kind of uh, Matt and I both kind of thought, you know, uh, we better just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was nothing. There was no internet connection anymore. No electricity was on. It was black. But uh, but anyway, yeah. it was fun. Yeah. But yeah. it's always great to talk with uh, Ranger Doug and uh, and Too Slim and and they Side Me. Just, and Side Me. They are you just so much fun, aren't they? They're just they're just so much fun. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. And and yeah. Matt and uh, Matt and Stacy were a lot of fun to visit with as well. And uh, what a great job that they're doing out in Idaho. Uh, helping to find homes for these Mustangs. And I'm telling you, the connection that people have with horses, uh, maybe even stronger with some of the Mustangs. And, and because it's very similar problems that our military comes back with PTSD and a Mustang that's been um, taken away from its family uh, mm-hmm. and out of the wild and into civilization. But they find great homes, and they adjust just very, very well. And so that's what this is all about, and uh, we appreciate them being on the show. Well, tell mm-hmm. us about the uh, uh, Out West Rendezvous with the Writer. 
tonight? Um, tonight we have a returning guest and a great friend of ours. He's been with us at the Buckaroo Bookshop, I think, almost every year since we met. J.R. Sanders. He's an author of both nonfiction and fiction. Um, he also writes for a lot of the Western magazines. And we'll be talking about his third book in his Nate Ross uh, hard-boiled detective PI series. It's called Bring the Night. It's the third one. It was released earlier this year. And so we'll be talking. It's a really fun book. It just transplants you back into 1939 Los Angeles. And his prose um, puts you puts you right there with, you know, gumshoes and malls and all those fun words that are not in our vocabulary <laughs> these days. Um, he's just a great writer, great storyteller. Right. He did, um, did say malls, not malls, malls right? Right, M-O-L-L-S, yes. Malls, not malls, that's right. Yeah, when, when it was uh, politically okay to call a good-looking um, lady a tomato, you know, which we, <laughs> we don't do today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And um, then the rendezvous with the writer comes on at what time for people to listen? Uh, Yep, 6 p.m. Pacific time, and of course, you know, change it with each one of your time zones. It uh, streams directly on LA Talk Radio's Facebook page, and then it immediately becomes a podcast, and you can either just listen to audio or watch it, multitask, listen to audio, or go ahead and, and watch it. It's really engaging to be on camera, and I'm you don't cut your guests off. Yeah, if you're on camera, you, you you don't cut cut your guest off as frequently as you know when it's audio and you're not sure if, if they just let out the dog or if they're thinking about how they're going to answer oh, the question. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, and that way you get to watch Bobby Bell and and Jim, and so that's kind of a plus on top of all that. So yeah, that I think cool. we're sort of getting accustomed to the camera. I it's still not my favorite. I like to be just on the mic, but. But this is show 46 or 47, something like that. So, yeah. And then we'll, we have a um, National Day of the Cowboy celebration that we're emceeing for the New Mexico chapter on Saturday. And then we will see Gone with the West uh, Sunday evening. So we have a full, full weekend ahead of great um, Western lifestyle and culture. Really fun. Would would you hug my wife for me when you see her? Since I, I don't get to hug her again for ten to days. Yeah, there's nothing like a Mary Kay hug. I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, and and that's gone with the West, and that's Mary Kay, my wife, Mary Kay Hold, and uh, Mickey Furman, and Tisha Hedden, uh, Tisha McKenna. It's actually Tisha McKenna Hedden, but it's Tisha McKenna. That's her stage name. And Myrna Lewis, and so they started their tour. They left today, and they'll be in Oklahoma tomorrow, and then running on up to uh, Texas and New Mexico, and up into Colorado, and then back again. So we look forward to that. But you can check their website out at GoneWithTheWestMusic.com to find out where they where they'll be touring. Well, we're going to close out the show today, Bobby, with a song from Mickey Furman, and it is from her award-winning album, Westbound, and uh, and I just like the heck out of this song, River of No Return, and uh, mm, it's, it's unlike anything else that you're hearing today, but a beautiful song. We thank you for listening to us wherever you are in the world, and we appreciate you doing that, and don't 
don't mind if you share our show with other people as well. So thanks for listening. Bobby, thank you for being with us today. And uh, let's take a listen to Mickey Furman, River of No Return. Oh. 